This is the free club. This is the free club. The free club doesn't care about your feelings. Shape up. Well, but that, that's basically the entire product. Yeah, which can be found on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Oh, and I almost forgot Twitter. And that will be that. Thank you, beautiful listeners. Let's see you next week. Yeah. See you then. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I taught you the ways of getting out of here a little bit quicker in our previous episode of Shandalu. Okay, so yeah, I'm Kari. I think you are, I don't know, tell me. Muadi. This is what the show is about. We go through international cinema mostly, but now we go to Hollywood and do none. This is the kind of film podcast where we do horrible mistakes every week. Why did we choose to watch this film now, Henrik? I, I'm, I'm guessing it's because previously we checked out the staggering girl, and you picked up Kyle McLachlan. So now this is some kind of post Kyle hard on. They going through the process. You you have had her, your hard on, and now you are desperately trying to somehow emulate something with your floppy. Well, if there if there ever was a hard on, there's no more hard on. But fortunately, we are. Well, we are doing something that we have been talking about previously that we could do, that we could go hopping from one movie to the next by kind of a thread that kind of links them all. So, Kyle MacLachlan in Staggering Girl, Kyle MacLachlan here. But we will also go through the new Dune, oh my god, from 2020 when it's coming out and... Are we really? Because that's not something that we have actually discussed. Actually, we did just last week. What happened to you? You, yeah, it it was just last week, and that was that that was the whole experience. Like we we there isn't this isn't the case where we have had like weeks and months of 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 dreaming that we are going to once again approach this project. Uh, Also, that this is something that was like you said just last week yeah and i'm willing to stand by my words and therefore at least it's gonna have timothy chalamet so and and worms and yeah okay um yeah dune is the hot shit right now because dune is coming out so let's check out the 1994 edition henrik or Deep. There's three different cuts of this film. There's the theatrical TV version, which is a two-parter over three hours, disowned by Lynch himself. And it's directed by someone who calls himself Alan Smithy. That's a pretty good fella, that Alan Smithy. I mean, compared to the theatrical version of Lynch. So good job there. Um, <laughs> a post-production cut without the visual effects. That was about four hours. 
Lynch targeted almost three hours for the final version, and uh, but the financiers wanted a two-hour cut, but Lynch never had another cut. Then the theatrical cut, uh, contrary to some rumors that he actually had uh, another cut. Film was a catastrophic box office bomb. Uh, barely got its money back. Hated by the director. Director complained that uh, he had no artistic control. As in the sense of final cut. This was a long time coming. In the 70s they already were trying to do something with Dune. There was Alejandro Chodorowsky. Uh, the director who was trying to make this into a reality with Dan O'Bannon in the visual effects department with H.R. Giger or Jiger or Jiguru or however you pronounce that and Jean Giraud and Chris Foss as artist buddies together. So this is the kind of the work that was put in that influenced Alien and had much of the same creative team. 1979, Ridley Scott was hired. He was along for the ride for about seven months. Ridley wanted to split the story into two films. Interestingly, Battle of Algiers was used as a reference point for the script. But during this Dune project, Ridley's brother died and he didn't have the heart to continue script development, which... He thought that it would need at least two and a half years of extra work. Lynch was then found thanks to his Elephant Man film. Lynch turned down Return of the Jedi in order to do Dune. The Star Wars for the grown-ups. A guy who had never been interested in sci-fi and had not never read the book, at least prior. And two sequels were on the pipeline, but that pipeline was cut in half. What the fuck is the Dune about, Henrik? Well, it's about actually quite a lot of things. It's it's about environmentalism. It's about sci-fi. It's about new worlds. It's about mysticism. It's about different religions. It's about how and why myths are created and how they can exist. It's about political intrigue. It's about survival struggle. It's about war, both on a grander scale and in, in guerrilla form. And somewhere along the lines, it's also about space travel and terraforming a planet in habitable uh, environment. And some, some sort of simple tonism, if I could call it that. These people on the planet have, or planets, have been exposed to too much space radiation, clearly. And stop developing as a race, since we still have concepts such as religion. We have weird psychic concepts tied with everything we have gotten rid of technology, except not all technology. We have gotten rid of just the intelligent technology. And somehow we are not allowed to have technology on our spaceships, except for, for this spice-infested or spice-junky mutated piece of shit who is flying these ships around the cosmos. You, you are allowed to have technology. Technology itself hasn't been banned. What is banned is AIs. Yeah. Or as they are referred in, in, the, in the story, the thinking computers or thinking machines. Yeah. Well, where, where do you draw, kind of draw the line? It's, it's an interesting concept. But they have somehow... Well, it's, 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 a, it's a 
what what do you mean where where do you draw the line yeah what what is ai and what is not ai clearly there's a lot is, of is your coffee do you have a do you have a coffee maker in in your apartment yes is it a machine yes or a person is it a self-thinking machine is it controlled by ai no and neither is a fucking spaceship but here they have replaced spaceships with some gooey piece of shit that has gotten enough radiation that it is apparently able to fly these fucking ships around the space are you fucking kidding me? Uh, precisely. That that's that that's how AI works in in Dune universe. Like like technology itself is allowed. What is not allowed is is AIs. Yeah, exactly. So you can you can have your coffee maker and you can have your spaceship as long as the spaceship is not being controlled by an artificial intelligence. Do you know a concept called cars? Does your family have a car? They do. Is it a thinking car? No, it's not. Yeah. It's technology, just exactly like planes are technology, cars are technology. So why the fuck they are flying these spaceships with some kind of a mutated monster instead of having technology on the goddamn ship, which they obviously also do. So why replace the driver uh, with the gooey well, shit? They, 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 they sh the ship does have technology. Right? That's how it flies. So right. Same way as, as as your car has technology, that's how the human drives the car. Yeah, I guess. There's the... like engine. Right. Like, you know, mechanical components yeah. under the hood. Yeah, and you think a fucking spaceship with AI is going to be dangerous for you if it's going to drive the fucking vehicle from place X to place Y. Interesting concept. See, 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 the ban, the ban in in uh, artificial intelligence happens because of previous event that ha has happened in in the Dune universe. I know, and which they, is the Battle Yeah, Jihad. exactly. And they, now they think that the fucking spaceships are going to turn into jihad machines against them, just because they have some. No, kind no, of they, 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 they simply, they simply are not willing to take the risk the second time. Instead. What the well, what humanity in Dune universe has done it is it, it it has the humanity itself has evolved to a point where they no longer need AIs. They just use humans and humans for for that work, which typically was was signed for artificial intelligences. Yeah, completely believable. Okay. Then we have well, that, that, that's a that's a question. Do you believe in in human evolution when it comes to, into you know mental capabilities? Well, clearly not. The, or, the, do, do you see that humanity is is too stupid to ever you know reach that point? Obviously, we, we have the proof in the fucking book and in the goddamn film, as you see. We have still religion. Uh, we have we have super duper archaic ways to have grab of power. There are these, these holier-than-thou fucking leaders on that planet, and then there is other leaders on this planet that are waging a fucking war. So so much for the fucking growing up as a race in the fucking ten thousand years. Uh, are you now making making the case that religious people are stupid? I'm making making the point that this is completely illogical, and it's quite surprising that they have been able to survive thus far with such of a mentality. And all this, you are our holy leader. We are waiting for our Messiah to come. All these extremely archaic concepts. And in the end, the guy is not even a 
fucking magician or Jesus. He's just a normal bloke who just happens to be in a high position of power. But the movie, of yeah, course... Yeah, that, that, that changes that changes between, you know, are you talking about the book or, or the film? Yeah, we're talking about because the book, there, there definitely. Because adaptation of differences between the two works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And much maligned differences in this film. Where the messiah is making it rain on the planet. And is. But what the fuck is wrong with that, even? If you think about what's been happening throughout at least this film, and I, what I understand is also in the book, the, the much that I have been able to read it, the goddamn book, there is, there is the concept of weirding way. And it's a goddamn weird way. Definitely not something from out of this world, which is brought on by the spice. No, the the weirding way is is basically it it, it is a battle style in, in the book. It, it's it's something like I don't know Matrix or equilibrium equilibrium style weapon used gun fu or something like that. The weirding way is never really truly explained like what it is, what is the specific move sets of weirding way in the in the book, but it's it's more it's it's more of a fighting style. So, something like advanced kung fu, advanced karate, whatever you wanna mirror it to. If if you're talking about the film, on the other hand, yeah, yeah, the the, the weirding way gets gets way more complicated. And and obscure. Yeah, there is also the the, the, the hardest stone possible. The, this uh, whole stone demonstration is not in the book. The, this destroying of objects with the power of sound in it, but it's part of the weirding way. No, there, there, there's a there's a quite a lot of stuff that are really heavy differences be, between the book and the film. Dune, nineteen eighty four movie by David Lynch. When it comes to adapt. It's kind of a similar case as was with Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. It, it takes the name, it takes the basic building blocks. Weird hotel somewhere, ghosts, family, black man. And then it kind of just does its own, own thing from there on. Exactly. Then we have the spice, then we have the worms. Worms that create spice or some such. We have the spice that is necessary in the universe. And it's only in the one planet in the entire cosmos. And there it has to be cultivated and people are fighting to grab the power. Whoever grabs this planet is in the grabs of power. Yeah, because basically in, in Dune Universe you need the spice for basically everything it's it's highly addictive that that's the first thing that comes with the spice so essentially the the power trio when it comes to the main leaders of the houses when it comes to the emperor and when it comes to the spacing guild all the major factions they are more or less just you know addicts yeah fucking drug running in in control but on top of its addictive tendencies the, the spice is also used for interstellar travel and other such feats that are possible in in dune's universe uh, so if you would like to con contrast spice into something that exists more in our universe spice essentially is oil you can think it that way and the dependency of of spice 
it is kind of a the dependency on oil cramped up to uh, to to four or five. Yeah, essentially, this is uh, Saddam versus Vladimir. Frank Herbert is just taking the piss out of you all here. And then we have giant worms and well, spices, and we have a, a baddie who who isn't really even a baddie, but the guy has an HIV virus and uh, is in the age stages, needing some pumping to his face. And in a weird scene, he apparently kills one of his one of his sex slaves or something, and just kind of cuts his yeah something off. like that. Yeah, and he's uh, having hard on forcing. And then calls for his doctor. Completely bizarre. Uh huh. Completely fucking bizarre. That how how is that completely bizarre? Well, well, we, well we we have we have a bad guy who has AIDS and wants to have help with that. He is depicted as the, as the bad guy, and and clearly this seems to be some. He's shown to be. Uh, homosexual character here. At least he happens to have a particular hard on for for Sting. Well, yep, I guess. Yep, 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 yep. Who okay. doesn't accept me? But that that's how that's how it's done yeah. in the nineteen eighty fours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like I'm, I'm completely lost here. Like, uh, what, is, what, is, what is the main problem? Uh, the the fact that that Baron Vladimir Harkonnen is is. Is incestual homosexual? Yeah, who is and a bad the main bad guy of the film? Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, so clearly, uh, the filmmakers on, have something to say about homosexuality here and how they're spreading the evil disease. So, I have a great fucking idea. Well, let's make our villain a homosexual with AIDS. Okay. Oh my god. Uh you, you do realize that, that this podcast has gone through racism, uh, racial segregation, and other hard topics, and not getting, getting too convoluted, not getting too emotional about these issues. Yeah. Yeah. And? What's your point? Well, well do, 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 do you need a goddamn safe space from, from a film from 1984? Is, 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 is David Lynch rustling your chimneys there? Like, you know, the, the, this is just the point where I have kind of had it with this kind of bullshit. I, I have not not just it doesn't really have anything with homosexuality. This is just the kind of a the the where I have reached the point of like I'm done with a stupid fucking sci-fi at this point. I'm so fucking done with it. The <laughs> I'm so fucking done. <laughs> Uh, so so what 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 makes it stupid fucking sci-fi? The, the religion and, and the fact that the bad guy is is almost Well yeah, those two. The religion part is pretty oh, obnoxious. Oh, of course. Jeez. Come on, come my on, God! Stop it up, man! My... Stop it up! I'm done. This, 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 who, this is the, this is the... the free club. This, this is the free club. The free club doesn't care about your feelings. Uh, I, 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 I certainly don't. I certainly don't give a hell about the listeners' feelings. There you go. So you think whatever you <laughs> might want to give. <laughs> I don't. Listen, I don't care about the listeners' feelings. I'm telling you right now that people have 
gone in we are talking about future here future and this close-minded <laughs> sorry close-minded frank herbert thinks in his little tiny frame of reference box that 10,000 years into the future we still have concepts as religion and we're somehow able to co coexist between planets and fucking universe and then there is like one leader on one planet and second leader on other planet and they are not able to keep the peace i don't buy this for a fucking flying second why 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 would there be a religion in in the future because it's dumb <laughs> 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 we we uh, listen. We, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done yeah, with yeah, all yeah. of this. Seriously. Do you do you, do you remember? Do you remember in our past episodes when I was like, like that you you have an extra grind with religion? There you go. You you are you are going you are anti-religion behind the scenes, and you were like, no, no, I'm not. Stop putting words into my mouth. But th these are these are your words. Coming out of your goddamn mouth now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. Uh, let's I, say. Let's say I'm it's coming completely. Yeah, yeah. I'm com coming completely clean. I'm. I'm done with this. Wh who is gonna buy this? And what? Well, well, religion. Uh, uh, about billion people. <laughs> religion and sci-fi. Re religion and messiah concepts. Ten thousand years into the future. Are you fucking kidding me? I, I will... well I, I I don't see why why they would necessarily go extinct. I I mean religion because... and beliefs have been humanity pretty much from the get go up until this point. So what would make religion extinct in the future? Listen, listen, man, listen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm listening. Yeah. So right. listen, so listen then, goddammit. So they have had a war. Okay thousands of years or something okay. before them related to the the machines they know how machines work they have had extremely advanced ai so advanced in fact that they are almost annihilated by these goddamn machines and they still carry on with them uh, concept like religion i just i just don't buy that this is this is possible and well if we if you don't if you are willing to accept that that we are still going on with these these concepts that are coming from fucking fairy tales that some douchebags created 2000 years ago at this point what about this this spice and the worms a planet full of sand and then there are worms that create spice that is magical and you can control the universe with yep. that and do light speed travel or create wormholes with your space alien creature that is driving your spaceship okay fine yeah, I, 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 I don't see the huge difference to our modern times. Like, <laughs> they, they, they have had devastating wars, so have had we. We still carry religion. We also have natural resources, which we are kind of a dependent on. We are, we are still fucking oil economy, globally. So uh, basically, well, well, in Dune, what you have, you have to, uh, today's problems. They just haven't been solved in in all that time that takes from from now to whenever Dune happens. Yeah. And I I still fa fail to see 
what gives you the guarantee that humanity will somehow evolve past religion? Like, like freely, freely explain what, what, what is the one thing that will make religion obsolete to, to humanity? Probably will not completely disappear ever, but it that it has such of a stranglehold. Because if you look at uh, countries now, we are becoming more secular and secular. Look at something like Estonia, even Finland. We basically are nobody. That there is a actual minority now that is still believing in some kind of a holy spirits and such and such. The more we get to know technology i see and the more that we have access to information the less we will have religion yeah i i i, I understand where you're coming from yeah like and <laughs> certainly that is a possibility yeah there's that, no... that's a possibility but i i don't see that as an absolute because i i would say that that majority of of the world even today and and we are having kind of a technological renaissance as we as we are speaking it still is hugely religious. Like even even Finland, since since you name dropped our loved home country, it still is hugely religious. Religion in Finland, Christianity in Finland, is is not any kind of a minority position. It it's not that in in US. And if something Finland is is just coming more and more religious now. Because not just Christianity, but we are getting all the other religions like Islam and and Judaism in, in into the mix also. That there's a hell of a lot of religion going on in Finland. I think well, it's in, inevitable that as we're getting different cultures into our country, then there is going to be at least a momentary lapse into the world of more religions. But. Well, I, I'm sure I'm sure that the like the main problem here is that Frank Herbert is just willing to think out of outside of his own truncated frame of reference and then wants to introduce the concepts that we have already had. Like, I mean, I mean, this mo movie is talking about concepts and structures that were more popular, like during the the fucking uh, the Pharaoh's time or something like that. Uh, th this is some kind of a phara pharaohic system of of monarchy and not really no you you have to you have to keep in mind that uh, well arrakis is is essentially that the, the sand planet of, of dune uh, when it comes to the feudal rule that actually happens outside of arrakis yeah if you're talking about the emperor and other power players of the story, they are not Arrakis. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. yeah I'm just well. I'm just well, drawing you, 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 a, drawing you, you, a parallel that Herbert is uh, kind of taking some kind of uh, age-old concepts and putting them into ten thousand years in the future for some unknown reason. Like there, there is nothing even the time when he had written these these concepts were already kind of obsolete and some kind of a bygones but now he's introducing them back into into the future which i find kind what, of... what 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 concept was obsolete in herbert's era like are, are we still talking about religion no we're not talking about religion we're talking about modern societies okay. i'm pretty sure that he didn't live in an environment where we have such of a leaders this kind of a 
monarchic or, or, or oligarchic leaders who, who are able to have a great amount of power for themselves. And, and they talk of these people as some kind of a messiahs or my lady or addressing them in these, these fancy ways of the yesteryears. So in a sense, a person I, called. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Frank Herbert believed in U.S. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he have to address yeah. his boss as my lady? Well, not not his boss necessarily, but he lived in country where, for example, today, now in these enlightened days, one man is gonna make country great again, gonna mm. lead the charge against the you know the degenerates, riding a giant basically worm. Lucy Weep, the entire world. Riding a giant worm it, with his uh, love buddy, uh, sharing kind of a loving gazes at his friend Ed Killifer more than twice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so is, is, is the main problem now the worms? No, there's so many problems. Because, because, because uh, what I'm getting at here is that, that you wanted to present the personal cult that the Emperor commands in Dune fiction as something that is obsolete. It was obsolete already in Frank Herbert's time. Yeah. But, well, they ain't obsolete. Not today. I mean, I mean even, even in US, the president commands very strong personal cult. You, you, you could see that in, in Reagan era. You could see that in Nixon era. Hell, you could see that in Bush era, even though the personal cult was not really strong in during uh, Bush Jr.'s timeline, he still was able to essentially rule the country and introduce very draconian laws that were he was able to pass. So he had yeah, yeah. that kind of a total control. And now you have Trump, yeah. who also commands very strong personal cult. And when it comes to, to concepts like kings and queens or emperors, they also ain't that far-fetched. I mean, just look at the next border neighbor that we have. Sweden has a king. There still are countless <laughs> oh, countries in, in the world that have have the concept of king yeah. or something similar to it. Yeah. So, w once again, I, I don't see how, how it's obsolete. In the way that the king has basically zero power nowadays. It's just, it's just some guy who is sitting in a palace. But here we are talking about... Uh, some kings, yeah, yeah, yeah. King might have zero power these days. But, for example, American president can have a hell of a lot of power. A sheikh can have a tremendous amount of power. An imam might have a tremendous amount of power. We still haven't really reached the, the state, the political evolution, where basically the societies would have become so democratic and the people living in, in those societies would have become so liberal that we no longer would have like a hugely powerful one leadership character. Yeah, I'm talking more about the, 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 the one. One can one can even even look goddamn Finland and our president, who true true does not have that level of power to himself, but who still even even in Finland, our current president commands extremely devoted personal cult. Yeah, yeah, true. Talking about more of this. Uh, 
the way that these characters are presented as as the way they dress as the way they talk and address each each other these are i think bygone concepts at least in in the modern world i don't know about this this yeah we still have a problem of this kind of a person called no doubt about it but 10000 years into the future i seriously hope and think not when you have such of a you have already conquered i don't know what was it 10000 different worlds and still running running life as as we have been doing it a few thousand years ago mm. i think this is just yeah, Lim yeah, limited imagination and, that and, we're talking about on the screen and in the pages. And and this this is where, where uh, actually this this whole discourse, discourse between the two of us gets really interesting for me because I I was going to, to revoice my previous question. What makes you certain that in the future we somehow have managed to move past of? of leaders and personal cults knowledge experience and and religion because well because because i i'm and that might be but i'm asking it because i haven't seen that personal and social evolution to happen you know up until this point like like we we have knowledge we, we have abundance of knowledge and and we have access to more experience that we can even fathom yeah. at the moment um, and, and we are still stuck on on these concepts do you see us as us as a species being as as much stuck as we had been during the pharaoh times versus now in in certain aspects i do certain aspects yeah but there is not not technologically wise because most likely that that was the, the clever innuendo that you were going to have. That was going to be your major comeback. Do, do we sleep in the ditches and do we build pyramids? No, we no we don't. No, we don't. And but we do build churches. Yeah, and we do have some personal reason. Still, yeah, which is and we we do have different kind of concepts of forced labor. And if you are willing to, to take the, the this far enough, we can even say that we even today we we do have actually we do have concepts of slavery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in the modern times. So yeah, yeah. You you have coffee maker and you have you know indoor heating, and and no no nobody is building pyramids anymore. But I I wouldn't say that we have completely you know left. And, and surpassed the, the time of the pharaohs. Hell, but, we even have religion, and that that was something that was in ancient Egypt also. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we don't have a crystal ball. Um, just saying that uh, generally, it seems to me that every time I'm looking into some very mainstream and very popular sci-fi series, whether it would be coming from a book or from a movie or whichever way, we're dealing with this this same goddamn concepts. I think these people just lack imagination that they have to put all of these same archaic systems into the play, into the, the into the far future, and same stupid goddamn conflicts. Yeah, sure, sure, we are human and prone to these problems, but okay, 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 worms and spies. Those are pretty pretty creative, but absolutely bonkers. Once again. 
Yeah, but then again, science fiction is is supposed to be at pretty bonkers at times. I'm 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 really curious about about your reaction with with Dune because I would have thought that you would be more in with the story, seeing exactly how kind of critical of concepts of religion and beliefs and mysticism that the whole story in the end is. Yeah, in in the sense of the book, I hear that 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 is kind of interesting that we have this first book as more of a kind of an introduction, and then we get to the lesser books in the series where it's actually explained very clearly that there is no magic involved really that, that these are just some some guys you know, who are not the rainmakers who are do don't do not have any superpowers well they do but but they don't because the the guy himself yeah, is not and, doing and his using it tech, using technology to do it yeah and i would say even the first book this is once again one where the adaptational differences come into play in a big way but in the book i, I would say it, it becomes blatantly clear that paul is is not space jesus yeah and essentially he and his mom they are frauds what what happens happens because there was there was myth that was pre-planted amongst the fremen and they did and paul has been more or less groomed to defeat certain aspects of of that legend so, so, some aspects of the legend were so kind of a universe and so also all around the place and and kind of so up to left left to your own interpretation that pretty much anyone could trigger those points off and that the or the rest of it is essentially just mental and physical mutation that the main character goes through. Isn't this episode supposed to be the part where you're gonna say that, listen, I, I've seen this Dune shit so many times and I've seen it over and over. And so this is not really impressive that we're doing it once again, also in the book. And well, yeah, Dune introduced some themes that have been copied ever since, but I think this is this is, this is the point where to go that this is not really impressive because I've seen it hundred times. Yeah, but then again, what haven't we seen hundred times? I exactly my that, point though. Exactly my point though, because uh, you have been saying in a lot of the recent episodes that, well, this is not really impressive because I've seen it a hundred times before. But that's kind of what happens. Yeah. That's exactly how movies work that they, they don't have necessarily anything much to offer anymore they're recycling themes and that's okay if the delivery is done well which is not, which it is not in this film by the way yeah but that, that that's precisely that's that's my whole point that you just worded out it comes down to the way how the delivery is being done like yeah, and I would argue that it, in many it, films... The it... main point I was trying to do in, in the Sprinkle Sprinkle episode, way back when, was that we shouldn't get too stuck up on, on concepts like, like the first, who did the thing first. What we should be more looking at is what is done with the thing. 
And my problem when it comes to the argument I've seen this before is, is not the fact that, uh, well, I, I really have seen it before, because in, in the end there, there is what, five or seven different original stories in, in the whole world, and basically every other story is just some form of a retelling of, of, of those, those main stories, those basic stories. So, of course, I've seen all of that before. It comes down to execution and what is done with showing you the stuff that you already been, you already have seen. And when, when it comes to judging those factors, well, that, once again, that is a matter of taste. Right, but in a sense, the kind of a argument of I've seen it before, it doesn't have any face value because it's once again, up to the interpretation or the delivery. Of course, of course, it doesn't have a face value. I, I merely use it to paraphrase, basically, or, or simplify my message. Mm. So that I, I wouldn't have to, you know, give you a half an hour or an hour long lecture on would I recommend a film or not. Of course, it's, it's a shorthand for me. Okay. We have been talking forever and we still haven't talked about the whole idea of what the hell the Dune is actually about. Well, do you want to go or do, do I want to go? I'm, I'm... So basically there are these two parties who are fighting for the control of the planet Arrakis, where is this magical spice that needs to be protected because it's used as a power to, to, to power basically people's special superpowers or their high ability of uh, intellect or, or or running spaceships <laughs> and it's basically the, the the powering source of or the fuel of the entire universe for people and so actually there is this uh, guy who is plotting uh, between this who is putting Harkonnen uh, family and uh, the Atreides facing against each other uh, this uh, Shaddam the Fort is trying to plot to destroy uh, the Atreides, who, if I remember correctly, is having, in his opinion, too much influence uh, in the universe, or in the Arrakis, or in the known universe that they control. And, well, he wants to get rid of, of, of the uh, Atreides family. Yeah, and more specifically, it's it's the space guild that wants to get rid of Atreides. Mm. It's it's essentially the whole plot of Dune, which, to be honest, it really is not that complex. It's very simple. Chosen one, you killed my father. Now prepare to die. Storyline, but it's it's told through different types of proxy wars. Well, the, the they, film... The House Harkonnen and Atreides think they are at each other's throat. The Harkonnen think that they are having this major plan to wipe out Atreides. In, in reality, that plan comes from, uh, from the Emperor, who in the end gets his whole shit from the guild. There you go. But if you look at the film, clearly the filmmakers thought that this is... This is definitely nothing simple, and let's just put in all kinds of weird elements, half-baked, not explained, and not focused on anything in particular, just show, uh, throwing in a bunch of the uh, elements from the book and 
just ending up with a complete mess. That's essentially to 1984. I wouldn't take it that far. I I, I would say that there. Well, it 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 depends on what you categorize as as a mess. Is it a mess because it fails as an adaptation to the book? It, it's a it's a mess. Is it a mess in? Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's a mess because it doesn't have a centralized plotline. It has random elements that have been seemingly pasted in that are following uh, each other. And at the end of it, we still don't know what the fuck really happened in this film. Unless you read the book, of course. Ah, come on. It, it's not that complex film. Like like I said, the, the, the centralized plotline is, is really simple. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's... Well, well so, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, sort yeah, yeah. of. How, how Daddy-O bites it. Sort of, yeah, sort of, yeah. But if you if you don't stay focused in the, the, the first uh, five minutes of the film, then you will lose everything. During the space alien bastard's visit to the shutdown, the fourth, that uh, you really need to keep up with this con conversation, otherwise you will kind of miss everything. And still... Yeah, and, yeah, that... that... That that is that is true. It it does demand that the audience pay attention. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I see that the the whole story of Dune, what the fuck is going on, is explained much better in the extended edition. So if you're going to watch this, then my recommendation definitely would go to the extended edition. There's only one problem: it's still dull film, and it lasts for three hours. So if you're up to it, go for it. It will it will at least make more sense because in the theatrical cut there's a lot of concepts that are just not simply explained or not explained clearly enough yeah that that is is true that there are a lot of those in in the original released cut then again that with that out of the way i wouldn't say that the film still is really that hard to follow you you do miss miss on some concepts. So like, for example, the weirding way and uh, the whole mysticism of Paul is, is kind of a quickly glimpsed over. Uh, also, some of the more intricate pa parts of the plotting that go, go on between the great houses and, and the emperor and the space and cute. Yeah, certainly. But I, I would still say that it, it, it's not really that hard to follow the main plotline and the kind of the main plot points well of, of the story even in the shorter version of the film well it's hard to follow some of the connections of people what are their relations why are they working together why are they meeting right now why are they doing this right now what where the hell is this person going what what is the some of the character motivations are kind of like well we just want to fuck each other over because reasons. I, I I would say that that's mainly a problem only during the during the last fifteen to thirty minutes of the film. Like that 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 problem really rises its head. I I, I would say during the time when the final assault at the emperor's palace happens in the story. Up until that point, it's it's not really. You only have a handful of players, which mostly become only from two two powerhouses. You you have the the small group of of the main Atreides characters, and then then you have like three Harkonnens, 
only one of them who, who does any plotting. And during all that, you have to keep kind of a side eye glance on, on the Emperor and the Spacing Guild. It, it, it's not really any kind of a... And this isn't like hidden under six different levels of, of deep or complex storytelling in, in any way. Another. And where, where I would say mostly the, the shifting alliances come into play in a way that it, it starts to be hard to keep track on. It's, it's with the Penny Chesserets. Mm -hmm. And that's something that happens only at the climax of the film when the head leader of the Penny Chesserets switches sides from, from the Atreides to the Duke. Or, or the Emperor, I mean. Well, the, the biggest problem in the last 15-30 minutes is is the fight scenes that you can't really tell what is going on. Yeah, there are people fighting against each other in these badly choreographed scenes where you don't really know where you are. There's just stuff happening. People flying, exploding, getting shot and shit. And then there's uh, one Paul Atreides riding a giant worm. And then... Yep. Yeah, uh, that that's that is pretty valid criticism. Then again, I I would kind of have to ask: Do you really need to? Because no, but no. What we are no. talking about is is the mass fight scenes where essentially cannon fodder is fighting against cannon fodder. Listen, man. Listen, 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 listen. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm coming. To, yeah. So for. The last week we didn't do an episode because I wanted to have more time for for Dune because I had been extremely busy otherwise and uh, also because I wanted to read the goddamn Dune book. Well, I had the ebook. I felt that I can't really concentrate because I'm being bombarded with shit on the cell phone all the time. So I went to the bookstore and they said that they don't have any available copies. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm stuck with the ebook. And then I decided uh, third option could work better going with the uh, Audible edition, the audiobook of this of this book. But it didn't really work like that because, you know, I'm running around trying to concentrate on different things and then you pretend that you're able to follow a book of the magnitude of Dune when it comes to the level of detail that the, the writer has put into those books still. No, that didn't work. So I thought that okay, let's let's watch do nineteen eighty four already. So maybe this will kind of give me the kind of the the, the the basic grasp of what the fuck is going on. And then I watched the film, yeah. and I was even more confused. What the fuck is actually going on here? And then I go back to the book, and I'm like, oh my god, this four hundred something pages. I'm never gonna finish this anyway. So let's go to YouTube and watch some videos. I still don't get it. What the fuck is this shit? And then. I finally watched the extended edition and uh, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, thank you. Like, finally, there's like a proper start f for kind of explaining the concepts of the Dune right there in the first five minutes. Okay, got it. Thank you. So that's my journey yeah, of Dune. Yeah. So, so to say that this is a simple story on the celluloid is kind of far-fetched. Um, I, I, I get where you're coming from. Oh, obviously, and and the points you make. Maybe I'm just a dumbass. I, I want to stress yeah. it out. I want to I, I want to stress them out to all our listeners. You are correct. 
especially when it comes to the film, because when it comes to the, the way how the narrative is being told in, in Lynch's film, it, it really is kind of a hot mess. It, it honest to God, it is. If, if your first contact with the story was through Lynch's film, I 100% I understand why you are lost, because that was how I experienced the, the Dune originally myself also when I was something like 10. I, I too once checked out David Lynch's version, version when it came out of TV, and I, I too was pretty lost back in the day, but I, I still don't really see how Dune is that complex as, as a narrative. I, I do get it that there's there's a lot of complex themes going on because it it tells you a story where, where a tribe of of nomadic sand people take one person as as their space Jesus and then then it goes it simultaneously it tells you how they see Paul as space space Jesus and how Paul himself kind of constantly is, is aware that no this is all a hoax. And you have these kind of kind of two different ways of seeing one character playing on top of each other at the same time. And certainly that that's where, when it comes to to a concept that that is something that's that can be pretty hard to grasp, or it might at least take you some effort that you can really put your brain around it. But I I still wouldn't say that the story itself really is is anyway that that complex well it is complex for a film podcaster who's trying to figure it out to the finest detail and here i can definitely say that there's a week or two weeks is not enough to understand all the concepts or or the story of dune as much as you would like to yeah yeah and that once again I, I do agree with you because, because even as a book, the Dune, the Dune is is written in a way, and it's so full of basically everything that even if if you would read it repeatedly, two or three times, you might still find a new layer from the text. And obviously, obviously, with that kind of a source material. Two weeks to do your background work. Of course, it's going to be a goddamn nightmare. And I would say even impossible to do because you just physically don't have the time to read the, the main book again and again and again. And then also, you know, check out the film and, and study all the background information, yeah. etc. And then you find out that there's an extended edition and you're like, oh God, do I have to check this out as well? Yes, you do have to. And uh, in the middle of it, there is Helsinki International Film Festival going on. And I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around watching all these films running around the city and uh, doing my own daily things. And then I'm forced to look at two versions of Dune and try to read the goddamn book in some uh, supermarkets uh, cashier queue. So fun times. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Even though I, I must point out that when it comes to Inter Helsinki International Film Festival, that was your own goddamn mistake. No, no, that was the mistake of Helsinki yeah, International no, no, Film nobody, Festival. Nobody forced you. Yeah, they forced me. Nobody forced they, you. They forced my hand. No. They forced my hand. There is the uh, 
all the films that I have been watching, the three of them that I have watched from this festival, they are so good. They are so able to select so fucking good films that you 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 are just forced. I don't know how you are not here, but anyways, like if you come across the film Beasts Glowing at Straws, go watch it immediately. And uh, welcome to Chechnya. And uh, obviously the Chaimin Liangs, to my actually surprise, Chaimin Liangs. Latest film after seven years of a break from directing days. We did watch Stray Dogs in this podcast before, so go listen to that. We could talk about great things like that, but we're stuck with a fucking doing today. <laughs> I, 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 honest to God, man, I, I don't know. Are they being salty about the religion once again, or is, is, is that the homo thing going on? This is all smacking at me at at once, and, and the, this is just some <laughs> point where I I have had enough with all of this, with many concepts. Oh, okay. Well, the, I, I, at least you can't say that the the film haven't had an influence on you. I don't know about the influence, <laughs> but it had, but it got got the effect. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Well, what's next? Let's talk about Sting. Sting is here almost naked and smiling like he knows exactly what he's supposed to do. And then there's some half-assed fight in the end and it's over in like 30 seconds. And goodbye, Sting. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, when, when it comes to Dune, the Dune marketing originally heavily relied on the fact that, that Sting appears on the film. Yeah. <laughs> and... As as anyone who has seen the film can can vouch for, that was a really misplaced effort because in the end you you have like like you point out you have something like thirty seconds of sting, you 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 have five scenes if I remember correctly in total of sting. Well, actually, the two word... of them where where the dude actually has a line or two. Yeah, goddamn that the way that he is built up in this film, and shown in a kind of a separate full shot when he is approaching from whatever some kind of a weird module. I don't know if was he having a kind of a bath. Yeah, bath yeah, that's there. the steam bathroom. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and he comes in his yeah, and, uh, space. Yeah, and he, ha he has those those ridiculous space underwear which which has that that wing thing going on yeah space alien wing underwear and he's wearing yeah 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 and he he's built in this film in a way that you would be expecting some kind of a huge ass battle that he would be the kind of a prime target and the kind of a main antagonist even but he's like taken care of like just like that there's one harkonnen in your midst you slimy disgusting biatch and then he dies and at the end of the film we still don't know actually if the atreides family or the harkonnen family who's actually the bad guy well obviously the harkonnen uh, leader is depicted in a way that he's definitely the antagonist because he has aids he's gay and <laughs> kills his bed buddies and but but the way that you look at these people, I mean, well, they're they're not really that bad. They're just 
trying to take care of this pesky problem called the Atreides, who are kind of spreading their influence all over the fucking cosmos. So, oh, oh my god, it's it's a genocide, man. Well, well, that, that I, that's what happens. Well, have you looked at the like the, 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 that, the that that that's that's a bad thing in in human history. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and look at Paul Atreides, what he's doing. At least in the sequel books, the guy is kind of like uh, seen as a guy who knows that he's going to grab too much power and do a lot of bad things, but he just. It's like, all right, well, that's my faith or something, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna roll with it. In 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 sequel book Paul's defense, the 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 whole jihad thing, which is what I guess you are referring here, it it happens mm-hmm. outside of Paul's control. Like like Paul, the first book pretty much is Paul trying to do everything he can to to prevent the jihad. And the second book is just, you know, showing you that no Paul failed and Jihad happened. Because in the end, things were out of his control. Yeah. Well, you we have probably read them, so no further comment on that. How many goddamn books are there? Like six? Oh, 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 oh boy. There's something like 18. Yeah, if you count the kind of non-official, I, I, yeah, non-Herbert. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, well, well they are both Herbert. Because because oh, yeah. Frank's son yeah, yeah. took took the, the mantle afterwards. I and, knew that. And from there, yeah, yeah. But 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 to listeners who don't know that, uh, Frank himself wrote, if I remember correctly, six books, which in in Dune are considered to be the main canon. And after his his death, his son Brian joined forces. I don't remember with who but basically it's a collaboration or all the rest of the books in the franchise and from there you get like god knows how many series you have like heroes of dune and you have the prelude to dune and you you even have some sequels to them to the end of the mainline books if i remember correctly so reading that the whole dune universe it, it becomes kind of a jungled, a jumbled mess where you, you first have to read the first, first the original Frank Herbert Dune, and then, then you have to do, read the, the Brian Herbert uh, proto sequel prequel thing that, that happens before and, and after the first Dune book, between, between books one and two of the main canon. And, and then, then, then there is the, the House Atreides story. Which is kind of a, if I remember correctly, now I'm going off my head here, is, is kind of a prequel, the prequel thingy. And, and then there is a book that explains that Butlery and Jihad at, at, that happened way back when. And, you know, go, going through, through all of these, that, that's the, in the end, that, that's, the, that's the end game, complete dude experience, if, if you want to go with the books. So, you know, enjoy that clusterfuck. Yeah, I mean, I'm a comp- kind of, we are both kind of a completists when it comes to the information that we mm-hmm. want to gather throughout the week about the particular film that we are dabbling with. But in this case, fuck you, Frank Herbert. I'm not going to read six of your books and through <laughs> do this podcast. Um, and, 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 and you don't, you don't need to. You honest to God, you don't need to. Because the filming question 
doesn't really take that much from the later books. Okay. It's just, you know, you know, the first one. Yeah. You, you might understand some things better. Would you, had you read, you know, the later entries in the franchise, like for example, the Butlerian Jihad, but even even when Frank Herbert came up with the whole idea of Patrician Jihad, it was never fully ex explored thing that happened in the universe. It was just, you know, a quick excuse, like quickly mentioned excuse. In 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 ages ago in our history, this thing happened, and because of that, no AIs. Yeah. Well, when it comes to the cast of characters here, I mean, it never gets really boring. Uh, or well, these are concepts that you have in Babylon Five and Star Trek and all over the cosmos when it comes to sci-fi nowadays. But well, we have this human computer dude with huge eyebrows. Then we have the guy who doesn't kill anyone due to his allegiance to some whatever it is, and a troubadour warrior teacher dude who helps Paul Atreides in his fighting skills with weird visual effects on top of it. Yeah, um, the, the weird dude who doesn't kill anyone, you are referring to the... Dr. Yue. Yue. Yeah, Dr. Huyi. Yeah. And w with him, with him it, it's not so much any kind of a promise or woe that he's made, but it's that he's gone through a mental conditioning. Like, he should be physically and mentally unable to kill anyone. And one problem in this film is that uh, there are many concepts concepts that are just uh, shown to you as, as they happen, but they are not uh, primed earlier into the story. They're, they just happen as we go on. So that is the case, for example, with the hunter-seeker, which is kind of a cool concept to kill somebody. But uh, that is kind of the one of the problems of the film. That things just appear. There's so much story to tell, at least uh, according to the film, that we're used a lot of voiceover. And uh, essentially, the film is a big exposition show. And but I kind of actually, if 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 I like something, I actually kind of like the voiceovers in uh, parts of the film. But maybe it's overdone to convey some concepts in the film. I uh, I actually. To me, the voiceovers are, well, not a problem, but I'm not a fan of them. And I do think that the voiceovers in the film are largely unnecessary. I, I don't think that the, the, the voiceovers are utilized in any meaningful way in, in the film. It, 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 is, it is an interesting artistic attempt. It's an mm -hmm. interesting artistic exercise from Lynch. And, well, movie, movies have always dealt with the problem when they are adapting the books. That in, in books you have much more freer reign on how much you actually explain to the audience. You pretty much you have a completely limitless field on that regard. You can explain what the character thinks. You, you can have a monologue of character just wording out, explaining his thoughts. You can you can have uh, flashbacks to the things that happened years ago or happen in future. There may be precognition that is not even stemming from the characters, but except but instead from some kind of a godlike 
authoritarian narr narrator figure. That, that's all possible in the books, but you can't do that in film. And on that regard, Lynch's attempt here to, to somehow bridge the two, to have the inner monologue from the books worded out by the characters on, in the film, it, like I said, it is an interesting artistic exercise, and it might have led into something in the future, but I would say it's, it's largely a missed attempt. And if, if something, it, it's a failure that shows to you that this trick really does not work in film. Yeah, I was thinking about the exact same thing. That, that this is having kind of the book problem, that there's too much you want to say and things you want to do in the book way, but it's not working. Yeah, and, and another problem here is that I, I feel that Lynch is kind of a... He's getting caught up with the whole, I'm going to have an artistic experiment thing here. Because the, the voiceover in the film, it doesn't, it, it rarely, if ever, actually gives you information that you most definitely would need to an extent that that voiceover is, is required. Like, like you, you have stuff like Paul's mom coming to seeing Paul of the Conjubar test and being like, my son lives, or 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 guy games when when he's like goes like, I like this dude, or when the characters are wondering, the sandworms are not attacking, mm. like none of that is information so vital to you that you can't a express that somehow visually in in your film, and b something that the audience most definitely would have to catch up through the narrative mechanism that David Lynch uses here. Yeah, there, there is when it comes to concepts that are kind of half-baked and just appear without uh, much of a development, I would say that that goes also to thing that is really kind of apparent when when Paul Atreides meets the lady with the, with the Furman people. There's like one scene where Paul Atreides goes like, oh yeah, she's really pretty, just like in my dreams. And then we have something completely not un completely unrelated to that. And then we just have a shot where they kiss all of a sudden. So it, that kind of escalated quickly. And there's some dialogue part like, I love you. I've always loved you. Yeah. And this was piss poorly executed. Yeah, it, it was. It was. And th there's a lot of that kind of kind of poor pacing going on in, in, in the film, especially in, in the original version. Of course, once again, one has to bear in mind that the original released version of, of, the, of Dune went through a heavy-handed studio meddling. Mm-hmm. Up until the point where, where, like you mentioned in the uh, in the beginning of the episode, David Lynch himself disavowed the film and refused to take credit for it, and until to this this day refuses, at least mostly refuses to talk about Dune in interviews and has refused many attempts and offers to to that he would have the chance to make his own cut of the film. Well, I can perfectly see that it was a horrible experience. And secondly, I don't think he would even have a clue what to cut to make it the masterpiece that he would have in his head, because there is no such thing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, 
that the two notions with that, uh, like you said, the the experience left the Lynch extremely sour. The, not only to a point where Lynch has repeatedly refused to ever revisit the film, but Dune also famously is the movie that permanently drove Lynch out of Hollywood. This, this was Dune was supposed to be Lynch's entry ticket into Hollywood, and the experience with the studio was so apparent, uh, was, was so disgusting in Lynch's opinion that following Dune, Lynch has made Lynch had, has made it clear that he will never work within the Hollywood st studio system ever again. Yeah, I can't blame the fella. And Although I would say that this is still a David Lynch film to an extent, and I would say that he it it lands the responsibility for uh, constructing uh, the 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 pacing and and choosing to shoot certain scenes from from the book. Let's say is also a responsibility of the director. So yes, studio meddling. Yes, financi financiers and producers were meddling, but is it really fair though to because it seems like David Lynch is rolling the responsibility solely for somebody else here? Ah, uh, uh, no, not not buying it. Yeah, uh, to be honest, me neither. I, 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 I am with Lynch pretty far when it comes to to blaming the meddling and the in interference from the studio but i i too i too e even as a lynch fan i i do have to admit that i also feel that the david lynch is putting too much blame on the interference and on the, on the studio and the financiers of the film because even even from from the you know the, the cut original release version of the film, Lynch's personality and and his altruistic side every now and then it, it really pushes through extremely strongly. At times, this this really is some of the best aspects of the film. I I on my end, I really love all the Lynch craziness that happens in in the film that is not in the book. As 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 heretical as as that is, I I know that the podcast will get burned down by by basically all, all the Dune fans, but I I do love all all that disappearing David Lynch shit that we have in the film, but but even with that out of the way, it has to be mentioned that they, not everything that Lynch does works in the film. That there's a hell, hell, hell of a lot of things that the Lynch pulls off that just plain up don't work. That the narrative facing it, it does have problems to an extent where I do believe that that, like you mentioned, even David Lynch himself would be unable to fix it. And there are also some some choices when it comes to direction, when it comes to characters, when it comes to presentation, when it comes to you know, to you know. Uh, cinematography that all very heavy-handedly read that yeah these were David Lynch's choices and these just don't work like for example the whole character of Baron Vladimir Harkonnen who in the book is is like extraordinary Batman 
he's he's back to the point where he has to have these these sustainers so some some kind of a, a magnetic field field sustainers around his body just so that he can even walk that's the amount of fat that we have with Baron. And then in, in the Lynch's version, it turns into uh, not so fat space herpes in his face, a lunatic who appears to be somewhat mentally challenged and he flies around. Like that, that's, mm. that's all David Lynch and none of it works. Okay. Also, what I didn't get is that the apparently Mama already gave birth to this little baby gargoyle who has all the knowledge of a grown adult like during the runtime of this film because first Paul is using his superpowers to read that oh my mama is pregnant with this girl and now we see the girl at the end of the goddamn film and what how how did that happen yeah the, the film tries to tell you that there was a time jump two of them if i remember correctly but once again, that's that's something that you have to pay attention to, that you really catch up on. Hmm. And even, 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 even if you recognize as time jump, and you notice that, oh, oh yeah, that's hap that that's now happening. It even then, essentially, the, the level that the kid is at the very climax of the film, I, I would say that it doesn't completely hold hold water with the with the amount of time I I suppose the film is implying that we have jumped. Because from the film I, I gather that that this is something like from two to five years. That that's the amount of amount of time that we are jumping. Yeah. After the mom gives gives birth to the child to the end climax. Because there, there is a whole narration how Paul forms his Quirrell army and they, they put the spice production to a halt and stuff like that. Obviously, that's going to take time, even though it's never said how many years this takes. But, but obviously, it takes time. But, mm. but even, even with the time jump, I, I do have a problem with the kid. That the way how she is being presented in the film, I would say that Mm -hmm. She appears hell of a lot older in the than voice what and... she's supposed to be with the intended time jump. Yeah, that or maybe just just she happened to grow up in a super magical way. But the, also that also the voice is of a older girl than what she is there, and the way that she just appears in the scene, like "Hello, I'm here," and no further introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's poor work also. Also, since you mentioned the voice, obviously what they are supposed to do, they, they are yeah. supposed to have the voice of the Penny Cesarets, which is supposed to be some kind of a like extreme form of of personal profiling. Like the whole voice thing in the book is is supposed to be that the Penny Cesarets are so extraordinary good. They have been so hardly trained to profile and read other people that they can just kind of change the, the, the tone of their voice to a level that it's uh, subconsciously impossible for another person to resist their commands. Yeah. That, that's what the what all, all the voice factory also in Lynch's film is supposed to 
be. I I don't think the voice works here. Like like the way how how the the, the film utilizes this this kind kind of an old raspy bit demonic female voice, something aching to 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 the exorcist, and I. In my in my opinion, it's kind of a failed attempt. It, it it doesn't work. They are not really supposed to sound like that. Yeah, looks like looks looks like the Fremen got it all wrong. It's not gonna be the the chosen one. Is not gonna be a boy. It's gonna be actually a girl because clearly this girl has some kind of a superpowers or more superpowers than I would say that at least Paul was supposed to have. And... The, and and no, not not really. Like like when when it comes to the, as you said it, the the superpowers, uh, what we are talking about really is is kind of an inherited memories and knowledge of the previous generations. That that that's the that's the whole whole Benny holier than those secret power. Yeah. Where basically all of their control in this universe stems from, they have the possibility to try to to gain to themselves the memories, the pitch perfect memories of of you know previous generations. With the Penny Chesserets, the blind spot relies on on you know the male and female chromosomes, mm. like because of the because of chromosomes. The all-female Penny Chesaret order is is completely unable to attain those memories from the males of of this universe. They can only attain the the you know the the past experiences of, of the females, and that's also the power that that Paul's sister attains at the end of the film. Like the the the, the whole why she is the way she is is because. In the womb, she already gets all those memories put into her when when her mom drinks the water of life, and and that whole mishap happens. And with Paul, on the other hand, uh, he in the end turns out is the culmination of the two chromosomes. Like he can attain the memories of both both sides. That that's the whole Kisat Satarat thing. That that's where the whole Benicesaret breeding program has been aiming all along. It's mm. it's in the end, it's nothing more than just a person who is physically capable of of attaining and gathering into him the both mem uh, the memories of both sexes. Well, good thing that the film and the book got at least something right that could be realistic to see in ten thousand years into the into the future. Like we have the inverted Chinese way of dealing with your kids. We we get rid of the or we are we do not want to have babies as boys, but we have, want to have only girls. That's what happens when you have too much intersectional feminism, ladies and gentlemen. I kid, I kid. Again, again, in in the universe, everybody love or like or wants to have boys, because boys are supposed to be the ones who who inherit the throne of the great house, and the girls are supposed to be basically, you know, those you marry to other houses. And of course, if if you follow this this to its logical extreme, 
you do notice that there was only three great houses in the in the whole Dune universe. The Atreides, mm. Harkon, and, and Corian. Oh, what was the third house? But anyway, three great houses, and they and these political alliances have been going on for centuries, decades, you know, thousands of years. God knows how how long. Which, of course, when you think about it, means that only three great houses, they, they are all marrying each other. So the inbreeding must be in pretty high levels here. Yeah, that would explain a bunch of things. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I mean, the main bad guy, Vladimir Harkonnen, is, is actually grandfather to Paul, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he she, he is supposed to be Jessica's father, and then again, once again, Paul originally was supposed to be be born as a girl, so that the Bane Jesuits could marry well her back to the the Harkonnens. Like mm. she, Paul was supposed to marry the the Fade Ralta, the 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 Sting character of the film. <laughs> so. You know, it, they, they are all cousins in, in Dune universe. The, the, the great gift, the great gift of, of Paul to the, to the universe in the end is, is just that he, he stucks his dick into, into some Fremen and through this act he actually finally introduces some new genes into the, the inbred gene pool of the great houses. You have tens of thousands of worlds, and you're still not able to stop inbreeding. Good job. I no, I, no, I, no. I, I told you that hum, humanity has not apparently evolved at all. Well, well, that that that's that's you know that's monarchies for you, man. <laughs> like, oh, we are we are. Do, do 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 you have a king in in your country? Perhaps a reason to get get troubled right now. <laughs> Well, that's pretty much Dune and those beautiful end credits. You can think of them before going to sleep. Uh, favorite performance? Uh, well, I think it's it's mostly atrocious performances. Um, must be direction is kind of confused here. I have no idea why why this is going the way it is. It's too theatrical. It's too red. It's too many things, but maybe Kyle MacLachlan? Uh, let's go with that. Yeah, I, I, I don't have your problem with the performances uh, outside of a couple of characters, like for example, Vladimir, Paran Vladimir Harkonnen, who, who is nothing like in the book. But yeah, I, I too, I too pick Kyle. Favorite quote, go ahead. Uh, would be that oh, the entire Hey, uh, fear is the mind killer mantra. Well, I would go with something that I believe is only in the extended edition. Quote, behold, as a wild ass in the desert, go I forth to my work. Whatever that really is supposed to mean. Is he mocking the book? Is Or is this BS space hierarchy mocking? Or Anyway, funny line. Even, even Kyle is la laughing at it, so... Favorite kill, Sting getting stung. Mm, I don't know. In in my on my end, perhaps that one dude who gets his his 
Hardplug Boot Off by, by Baron Harkonnen and Lord Speech all over. Totally random and didn't make any sense to me. No, but it goddamn looked cool. Yeah, because HIV blood must show how the gays operate in the universe. Oh, come on, come on. Seriously, seriously. Straighten up a bit here. A bit here. I can't, I'm gay. We, we kind of... We, Wait, wait. <laughs> you know, get, get out of this podcast, you hobo. <laughs> like we we we, we have we have male. a style and a reputation to uphold. What what seriously? You're, something you, something see, Kyle. <laughs> I'm completely lost with this because this was supposed to be smooth sailing, talking about and ridiculing the the homo aspect of the film, which doesn't make any goddamn sense, even still. <laughs> it 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 makes it, it it does it does if if you take if you take the approach that that gays are the blight of the universe <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> lovely 80s i like the 80s D- D- david <laughs> yeah go ahead D- D- david david lynch i would like to ask you a few questions or maybe i gonna get it why david lynch is not willing to talk about dune but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no, nothing, nothing. I, I, I was just, just, you know, supposed to tease you more with the, with the whole, whole gay characters. Yeah. We can, we can, we can move on. We can, we can move on. Yeah, yeah. Just shut it, you straight sismail. <laughs> I, I must, I must tell you, man. This is, this is fucking priceless on my end at the moment. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like, like li- literally, literally, Jesus Christ! Because Jesus also hates. <laughs> yeah, what drew me in was some visuals. I mean, it's kind of impressive with this budget that they are able to do all these effects that they pulled off. But but the main praise goes for the cinematography, which I think is quite enjoyable for the most part of the film. I on I I on my end, if if I would have to thank something from this film, like one aspect, to me, it, it would be the visuals. Mm. Especially the the gooey space, spaceship alien flying and bending space. and uh, uh, More specifically, that same bugger in, in the tank when he's being first introduced. Like, that that really does look alien and, and hideous and disgusting, like something that has gone through you know, a couple of centuries worth of mutations and it's it's way more intriguing and exciting than than the pretty bland CGI effect that we got in the Dune miniseries by, by Sci-Fi Channel. Also something that I really loved was those those shots of the spaceships when they are flying in in the while they are traveling through space. Even though a lot of these effects these days, they, they do show their age, but I would say that they show it in a positive way where they are still pretty interesting to look at. And overall, the film is... is it, it, this is a colorful film. There's a hell of a lot of color, and there's a hell of a lot of things in these shots, like, like big tables and and garments that look like military uniforms, and, and that space navigator. 
which looks ab absolutely like like malformed fetus. Like there, there's a lot to see in in Dune. Well, when it comes to color, yeah, there is a lot of brown color for sure. There's a lot of dunes here, man. And when it comes to scenes that don't really work when they are supposedly adapted from book to the film is is that space alien flying and bending the space that that was kind of awkward also the music in that i felt was kind of pretty hilarious unintentionally hilarious total playing guitar but yeah 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 like like not not every shot is a goddamn masterwork here there's there's a lot of also you know bad visuals yeah Including also the the Baron von uh, Baron Harkonnen heart block kill, which happens in a room which essentially is just a gigantic green screen. But what would you change in the film? How would you improve the film in the scissors of the sacrilegious section of this podcast? I I I would trim all of some of the goofiness. Make it more book related, and with that, I would remove some of the adaptational uh, differences or freedoms that that Lynch takes. Uh, it takes. I would trim the way how how the film tells itself, the overall narration of the film, and I would remove the the narrator voices of the characters. Yeah. Oh God, the narrator narrator voice or the narrator performance especially in the beginning of the theatrical cut and that's fortunately cut out completely in the extended edition but there's a different kind of narration going on with the guy how would i how would i improve this well i, I would improve it by feeding the film to a worm start from the scratch back to the drawing board guys well that that's what basically everybody has the right to do Cherodovsky tried to do it, yeah. and what I've understood from that production, it was a complete fucking nightmare. Uh, Sci-Fi Channel tried to do it. Well, yeah, that that was I would say even worse than Lynch's version. And now Denis Villeneuve tries to do it, and judging by the trailer, it it looks that that the film is even more void of color and even more barren of barren of a of basically everything than, than Lynch's version. Mm. I guess we'll have to wait and it's, see. It's a hell of a lot of ro large rooms where you have a table and two guys and, and a chair. It's like we have a successful book. Like, how in God's name are we going to make this work on the silver screen? Because I want my monies. I want my monies from this project because we have the rights to do this. Let's do it. And Oh no, one guy is out of the window and the next guy is out of the door and it's still not working. David Lynch, come and save us. Here's the result. Um, okay, that's harsh. But yeah, three adjectives to describe Dune. Uh, mine would be artistic, beautiful and confusing. Unfocused, dull, dumb. Would you recommend this film, Dune 1984, Henrique? Uh... That, that's a that's a hard question. Oh my god. Well, it, it is. It is because I mean, I don't have your goddamn hatred to, uh, towards this film. Okay. I think this was this. And <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I uh, 
I guess kind of no. At the end of it, I I like Lynch's Dune not not hell of a lot, but but somewhat. I I do think that it is it is artistically it's it's interesting piece of filmmaking that there are there are attempts that that you don't really see elsewhere and attempts that are interesting to witness. I I love the visuals most of the time and I I love the the, the Lynchian weirdness that that happens even though I do have to admit that it doesn't work as an as an adaptation but e even with all, all all that I like in the film uh it it's still it, it, it's 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 the goddamn Stanley Kubrick that shining thing where the end result is is so devoid of of the book that it's trying to adapt that it you can't really look at the David Lynch's Dune as an adaptation and on the other other hand you kind of have to have the experience of of reading Frank Herbert's book to understand everything that happens in in Lynch's film and not everything that Lynch does on his own film really works so it's 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 a, it's kind of a clusterfuck really to experience it's an interesting clusterfuck to me to experience i i found a lot of enjoyment of of watching the dune i do think it's one of the it is a hell of a lot better, better adaptation or not not a, it's a worse adaptation than the miniseries that followed it but it's definitely more interesting adaptation than the miniseries but even with all all the personal positives that I have, I I still would find it hard to recommend checking this this one to a, uh, to another person. If if you choose to do it, if you already seen it, well then you know I I I think it you didn't waste your time. It was time well spent. But I still just kinda can't bring myself to recommend the movie. Okay, I'm pushing you to the next follow-up question. Thumbs up or thumbs down, Henrik? Yeah, I, I guess I would have to give thumbs down because I can't recommend it. Right. Seems to be kind of a hard question sometimes in this podcast, like what to do with this. Or what, what do you really want to say with your... What do you recommend? Do you count yourself out of it or completely? Or, or what is the meaning of what you recommend? Yeah, and... Like I like said in in the previous episode, these are the moments where it, it really where where the the end rating system that we have implied implemented to ourselves in here, kind uh, of really shows its its colors. Because once again, if if we would have like from one to five stars, this this would be easy, two point five or three. Mm. And that's it, at least from my end. But once again, when, when you have to answer the question, would I recommend it? Would I go to another person and say, hey, you should check out this film. It, it starts to have all these other implications and, and other nuances than the question. Yeah, and my response is no. I mean, that there is, uh, there is, I think it's just that the Frank Herbert's universe in, in total it's just not appealing to me i had uh, serious issues even getting into the book because it's, it's just it's hard to read a book that you're trying to 
read forced because there is just nothing there for me. And this is the kind of sci-fi that does absolutely fucking nothing for me. And then there is a shitty film adaptation of it. So, you know, you do the math with your uh, spice-powered brain. But um, no, I find that this might be even some kind of, kind of a, without knowing Frank Herbert or really reading much into him, it seems that this is a kind of a guy who is, it might be just trying to cash in with some kind of a half-baked ideas in my, in the way that I see what is going on here. I mean, okay, when he wrote the books, these were apparently revolutionary, many of these things, or at least they were used later on in uh, sci-fi literature. And, uh, but uh, it just seems too easy to me. I don't find anything that would appeal to me. These concepts are just coming from what we already have or have had mixed up with some magical superpowers which are not magical superpowers but yeah i i yeah. on on my end i kind of have to counter argue not with the with you know the whole question can you get in the book or is there anything in the book for you that that's a question of of a personal taste and opinion and you know whatever suits you suits you Essentially, I, I can't like command you to, to like something that obviously is out of the cards. But I do think that in, in, in Frank Herbert's book, there, there is a lot of things that are still somewhat new and novel, even, even today, when it comes, for example, science fiction. And with this, I, I do mean the, the whole kind of a taking taking the concept of religion taking the concept of myths to a part deconstructing them the whole mysticism isn't real pre-planted religions all of these aspects i i do think that that's those are something that really still even today hold some novelty in in science fiction you're the expert you really know you're watching Dune 1984 when? When you are milking your cat and fondling your heart plug and thinking, thank God I'm straight. Yeah, what the hell was that all about? <sighs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but, but I, I most definitely did love it. You really know you're watching Dune 1984 when, when two men in love ride a giant worm to fight against another gay man who floats and is named Harkonnen and has AIDS. But as a, as a, as a closing word to, to today's episode, I, I, I would like to point out that the original book came out in 1961. So it's almost to a date, 20 years after the Pearl Harbor attacks. And six years after the war, war in Vietnam started, and in this book, the, the Fremen are radicals who willingly and successfully utilize chemicals attacks and where they use guerrilla tactics to, to, to attack from cave systems, uh, underneath cave systems, to do a surface level, uh, level targets. On top of that, on top of that, uh, this is a book where Essentially, Desert Valley nomadic people get invaded by militaristically superior 
society. And the reason for that attack is that the, the more advanced militaristic side wants to steal the nomads, natural resources for them. And the, in the end, in the book, the, the Desert Valley nomads are being shown to be the good guys. Mm, I, I kind of like that. And, and for, for, for some odd reason, this book is really liked in U.S. Like, what the hell, Yanks? Get, you, get your shit together. Why, why, what, do you, what don't you get in grasp in the concept of, of you, know, you know, desert people, military power, natural resources, mm. kamikaze attacks? Like, seriously, Yanks, just, just, you know, please, 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 sort this shit out. Because this is hella confusing to us in Finland. Well, you know, it's just... Well, this explains a lot of things. I think Colin Powell had been reading too much Dune. Well, if, if he he had read his fair share of Dune, he would have known that, you know, it's going to end tits up. Because that's the whole end of the Dune. Didn't work out as you were planning, now did it? Yeah, yeah. He was too intrigued about uh, trying to be Harkonnen. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay, that's due 1994. And uh, yeah, I guess you don't have any further than that, so we can start to close up for this week. Any questions? No. Good. I'm out of here. Until next week, our beautiful listeners. <laughs>